The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We greet you this Sunday morning here in the nave of Marsh Chapel. We greet you whether you are present with us or listening live over airwaves at WBUR 90.9 FM throughout New England or listening over internet signals at WBUR.org around the world or listening later to the podcast at bu.edu slash chapel. We are happy to welcome once again this morning Dr. Eckel Nix from Furman University uh, to be our guest preacher this Sunday. Our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, sends his regards as he is away in these summer weeks. Welcome again. Blessings. And let us stand as we are able in the praise of God. Thank you. 
Let us pray. Almighty God, the fountain of all wisdom, you know our necessities before we ask and our ignorance in asking. Have compassion on our weakness and mercifully give us those things which for our worthiness we dare not and for our blindness we cannot ask. Through the worthiness of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. We turn in our service to a moment of confession as we join our voices with those of the choir in singing our lament, our confession of our own sins and the sinfulness of our communities and our complicity in the brokenness of our world. We join in the traditional words of the Kyrie, Lord have mercy. Dearly beloved, let us remember that if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 through 25. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. 
we know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is no hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading responsibly verses from Psalm 193, 139 with the antiphon. have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shale, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 9, verses 18 through 27. Glory to you, O Lord. Once when Jesus was praying alone with only the disciples near him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others, Elijah, and still others, that one of the ancient prophets has arisen. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered, The Messiah of God. He sternly ordered and commanded them not to tell anyone, saying, The Son of Man must undergo great suffering 
and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then he said to them all, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? Those who are ashamed of me and my words, of them the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Lord has done great things for us and we're glad that everything that has breath praise the Lord. As we gather, we honor and give praise to God for his goodness and his grace and for bringing us together as a community of believers to celebrate Christian faith and our commitment to the message of Jesus Christ. It is a delight to once again participate in this university service of worship. And I thank you for your attendance, both first time visitors as well as returning ones. I greeted several of you last week, and it's good to see, again, special friends like Ed and Diana McClure, who are really another set of parents to me, and I thank them for their helpful advice and words of wisdom over the years, to Beth Neville for her recent hospitality in Milton, and to Bob, who's traveling this weekend, Mark Gray, Ray Bouchard, and others who are part of the Chapel family for their assistance and support. Time does not permit a long recognition of those who encouraged me, especially during my graduate years at Boston University, including administrators, faculty, and staff. But you know who you are and how much you personally mean to me, so that's enough. However, I pause to recognize the Reverend Professor Hubert Walters and family, family from Framingham, as well as members of his family visiting from Sacramento, the San Francisco, California area. Professor Walters retired from Boston College, and he, along with the Reverend Dana Gonzalez of Andover Newton Seminary, who is here today with his wife, Wanda, served with me at the People's Baptist Church of Boston in the South End neighborhood. And it's very good to see others of you, and it's great being back in Boston, for this has given me a chance to visit friends and classmates and to catch up with what's happening in our individual lives and to see the latest developments at Boston University under President Brown's administration. This week I visited with Dean Elizabeth Moore of the School of Theology, and she shared with me an impressive and inspiring report on the state of the seminary and how she is strengthening the academic programs and securing the future of the School of Theology. We pray for Dean Moore and her ongoing work, leadership, and service. Finally, I'm deeply indebted to Dean Hill and Jan for their tremendous generosity and for the opportunity to preach during this summer series on the Gospels and Emerging Adulthood. Greetings to listeners on the radio, the internet, and those who are here later on the podcast, tuning in along with others or members of my media family and friends in Alabama, Indiana, Ohio, and South Carolina, especially my wife, Rosita, and daughter, Mackenzie. Please reread and hear the gospel lesson from Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. 
The title of the sermon comes from a small book written in 1937 by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, originally titled in German, Nachfolge, and translated into English as The Cost of Discipleship. Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian who led a protest against Adolf Hitler, and he publicly denounced the mistreatment and massacre of Jews during World War II. Because of Bonhoeffer's opposition to Hitler and his refusal to give allegiance to the Nazi state, he was put in prison and killed in 1945. In his book, he argues that becoming a disciple means paying a price, but the price one pays is not with material possessions, personal property, or money. As a Lutheran, Bonhoeffer thought salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ, who suffered death upon the cross for our redemption. For him, faith comes first, like Luther's idea of justification by faith alone. And this comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, stating, he who is righteous will live by faith. The apostle Paul, who inspired Lutheran theology, also told the early Christians in Rome, if you confess with your lips the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This theological position requires confession of sin. Bonhoeffer writes, grace becomes cheap when there's communion without confession. He goes further to add that cheap grace is forgiveness without repentance, baptism without discipline, and grace without the cross. It's easy to come to church and recite ancient creeds and sing sacred hymns, but the true test of Christian faith and identity comes through sacrifice. For Jesus, the sacrifice was death on a cross. For us, it may not mean martyrdom, for us, sacrifice may mean abandoning our own selfish desires and personal interests and sincerely asking God, what would you have me to do? Sacrifice may include personal time during the day or night to assist somebody in need or to help him or her overcome a difficulty. It may mean exerting an extra amount of physical or mental energy to complete a project that uplifts humanity and brings glory to God. A sacrifice may be a financial pledge or a financial contribution to a social program or social service. It may even be in a way that threatens one's physical life or job income. There are different types of sacrifices, but at least two questions are involved in the personal or existential choices that we make. The first question is, who are you or who am I? This question was traditionally formulated as, what is man? Or using more inclusive language, what is a human being? Humanity is here, but why are we here? What is the purpose of life? What is our raison d'etre? We are in the world, but why are we in the world? This was the question of the Greek philosopher Parmenides, why is there something and not nothing? God created the world, which includes human creation. In Genesis 1, it says that we are created in the image of God or in the imago dei. But what does that mean for you or for me? The answer to that question will help guide our personal choices and moral decisions and give shape and meaning to our lives. It will also provide the basis for how we sacrifice our time and our talents. The second question is, what are we doing for others? The self is in relation to God or the one with a lowercase o to the one with a capital O. 
the individual in relation to God, or the one to the one, which is a communion with God. On the other hand, there is a communion or union to the other. It is interesting that the word union is in the word communion, and the word unity is in the word community. So there is a symmetrical relationship of one to the other, whether the other is God or the self in relation to somebody else. We are here, but we are not alone. Union or communion is seen in a number of ways. One way is through business and educational institutions, through neighborhoods and other places of residence. There are volunteer associations such as fraternities and sororities and other clubs and social groups. And all these ways affect who we are and often influence what we do. To deny self means to see oneself in relation to the other. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly because we are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. As such, we are individuals in community. Dr. Walter Mulder, former dean of the School of Theology would add, there's a community in individuals. For example, I have an older sister, Pamela, in Ohio. My brother is named after my paternal grandfather. Our daughter Mackenzie was born on the same day as my younger sister. My name has the suffix junior, which means there's someone who came before me. My birthday was last week, and just this morning I received a belated yet surprised email birthday greeting from a Protestant pastor in Europe. I am who I am, and you are who you are, because of a network of connections, sometimes beyond our ability to control. But then there are many things we can control, and because of free will, the choices we make have consequences not only for us, but also for others. To deny self means to recognize that we do not live here alone. We share the Earth's resources with other creatures, so in a real sense, we are not only connected with each other, but we are mutually dependent on each other. We depend on nature to provide plant and animal life for our nutrition. We depend on public services such as the police and fire departments to protect our streets and homes. We depend on business and commerce for the sale and manufacturing of products and merchandise. Just think for a minute of the people who we depend on at hospitals, clinics, restaurants, grocery stores, bus stations, train stations, and other places of transportation. Someone this morning drank coffee with beans from South America or tea that came from either England or India. The cup may have come from China. Someone is wearing clothing made in Asia or driving a foreign manufactured car. All of this shows that the world is increasingly one and our challenge is to live in harmony with each other. The Great Commandment says, love your neighbor as yourself. A variation of that command is the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The golden rule is a fundamental moral principle found in virtually all major religions and cultures. It is arguably the most essential basis for the modern conception of human rights. Jesus' life offers a standard for how to treat others and how to live an ethical life. He came on the historical scene preaching a text from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. 
To help with his missionary work, he called disciples and empowered them to do what he was doing. Some thought it was a mission impossible. Others thought, what difference can one person make? But Jesus made a difference, and even at a relatively young age. He began his public ministry around 30 years old and set in motion a movement that revolutionized the world. His disciples followed him, and they too were criticized for not being politically correct, for being unconventional, and for taking a stand on controversial issues. Almost all of them were martyred like Bonhoeffer. But despite criticism, persecution, and misunderstanding, they responded with courage. Courage is the opposite of fear. Thomas Aquinas says, courage is the strength of mind that conquers whatever threatens the attainment of the highest good. It means doing what you can when others say it can't be done. It means facing a new day. A new day may be dealing with an uncertain or difficult situation. It may mean being disappointed or anxious because of one's mistakes or the mistakes of others. A new day may bring bad news or a depressing or unexpected outcome. Come what may from day to day, life has its challenges, but a follower of Jesus can go forth with the assurance that God is with us every day to comfort, to strengthen, and to guide. Jesus promised that he would. He said, in this world, you will face trouble, but be of good courage. I have overcome the world. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and burden is light. I'm with you always, even to the end. Blessed are you when people hate you and exclude you. My peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. Amen.
Dearly beloved, we come now to the time in our service where we turn our hearts and minds and bring them together in communion with God in prayer. I invite you to be seated, to kneel, to come to the communion rail according to your tradition as we join together in our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. As our hearts and minds commune with God in prayer, I will conclude each petition, God in your mercy. Please respond, hear our prayer. We pray today for those in our midst who are moving into new stages of vocation. We pray particularly for Liz Douglas as she moves toward ordination on August 17th. We pray for the blessing of God on her, on the United Church of Christ, and on her ministry among us here at Marsh Chapel. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for students here at Boston University and campuses across the country who are becoming acquainted with the places they will come call home for the foreseeable years. We ask your blessing on them, spirit of calm, spirit of inquiry, a spirit of presence in a new community and a welcoming spirit in the communities that welcome them. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the prosperity of our city, the city of Boston, for the wisdom of its leaders, for the wisdom of its citizens to live in peace and fulfillment. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the leaders of our nations, the leaders who are making decisions about how best to move us forward, where to step and how to turn. We pray for wisdom for their, in their speaking and grace among us to hear the fruits of their deliberations, and for our prophetic voices in their midst to be voices of transformation toward justice, peace, and the integrity of all of God's creation. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
We pray especially today for the ongoing conflict that has once again turned violent in Israel and Palestine. We pray that a spirit of love and of peace may overcome distrust and fear, and that swords may be turned to plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray especially today for the lives that were lost when Malaysian Airlines Flight 17 was destroyed over Ukraine. We pray for the souls of those lost, for the ongoing conflict in Ukraine, for those who mourn and grieve. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the gathering of the International Aid Society in Melbourne, Australia, and for the hundred attendees of that gathering that were lost when Malaysian Airlines was destroyed, Flight 17 was destroyed. We pray for wisdom of leaders in fighting the global AIDS pandemic and blessing on those who suffer with HIV. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. How long, dear Savior, oh how long, shall this bright hour delay? Fly swifter round the wheel of time and bring the welcome day. We bring our prayers before the throne of grace and pray together in the words that Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. peace of the Lord be always with you. We welcome you once again here to the Nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew and passing that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. 
We give thanks to Dr. Nix for his presence with us last week and this, and we look forward next week to Professor Jonathan Walton of Harvard University. He is the Plummer Professor of Christian Morals and the Pusey Minister in the Memorial Church. We note that uh, Liz Douglas, our Chapel Associate for LGBTQ and UCC Ministry, will be ordained in the Christian Ministry on Sunday, August 17th at 3 o'clock in the afternoon at the United Parish in Brookline. All members of the chapel community are invited and encouraged to attend. Please see the note in your bulletin for details or be in touch with the chapel office. We invite you to meditate on Jans Peter Sweelink's Laudate Dominum as the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
of abundance, you have poured out a large measure of earthly blessings for us. Teach us to set our hopes on you and not these material blessings, and grant us to use your blessings to your glory and to the service of all creation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. today comes in the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. By gracious powers so wonderfully sheltered and confidently waiting come what may, we know that God is with us night and morning and never fails to greet us each new day. The blessing of God who creates, redeems, and sustains us abide and remain with us now and always. Amen.